Monday, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges and subscribe to us wherever you listen. And if you like this show, it's about time. Give us a five-star review. <laughs> and as always, we talk judging in MMA, so make sure you read that scoring criteria. Had a little uh, wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man energy to that one. Tube man would be cool. Read it. Give us a five star review now with the tube man. What? What do you think I said? You said we were wacky inflatable tube man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. To give us a five star review. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't know where I went. I obviously lost track of what you said. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway. anyway, I'm I'm coming off a busy weekend. Uh, as I was just telling you before we got on, mm-hmm. that uh, you are listening to the father of a Pinewood Derby champion special. It is special. It was mm-hmm. special. It was a great time. My uh, my son's car smoked all the other cars. And then we raced my old cars against his and really smoked those. They were not as good. Basically, the pound for pound Pinewood Derby car. Yeah, honestly, if if we were to equate my son's Pinewood Derby car to like the UFC... not. Let's just do like we'll do current pound for pound. It's easily a combination of both Islam and Volk. Okay. Yeah, that's good. So it's like one and one and two all in one package, and then everything else is just way down. <laughs> is what I'm saying. With maybe some, you know, John Jones car coming in at some point to give me a give me some, give us some trouble. Well, John Jones is rightfully taking his crown back on uh, next Saturday, so maybe with a little eye poke action, a little, a little cheating. No, no cheating. No cheating. Eye pokes are illegal, sir. He's not going to poke anybody in the eye. Famous last words. Not poking anybody in the eye. Honestly, if we come back here next week and we're talking about a John Jones <laughs> eye poke, you need to eat some serious crow. There's not going to be an eye poke. <laughs> I'm being positive. You can't. You stop being negative. Uh, I'm, I'm just being realistic. But that's next week. We'll talk a little bit about next week's uh, card as well at the end of the show, as, as we tend to do. But let's think about... This was a busy weekend in general for fights, because we had Beltor earlier we had ufc a little later so we got a bunch to talk about i want to start on the bellator side with uh with the champion yaroslav amasov really impressive return to the cage and obviously on on, uh the backdrop of uh him fighting for his country in ukraine took very center stage and, and honestly i was very shocked at the um the not glossing over a lot of this that Bellator and Showtime did. I thought they did a really good job with the coverage because, look, they have a lot of Russians fighting for them right now, and mm-hmm. it could be very easy not to go down that road, but they were very willing to put that out there. Um, so I'm, I'm su- very surprised, uh, but I thought they did a really great job with a lot of that stuff. Yeah, it was good. But Amosov himself, really, really impressive. What did you think about him? Uh, that was a all-around, I guess, world-class performance it was just a total dismantling like of the logan, opponent in front of him he didn't look like he belonged there logan storley no he didn't even land a single storley knee i don't think he had a chance to <laughs> no he didn't. i mean he wanted to take down i think round three yeah he waited way too long yeah, they were right uh, they were right talking about that he waited way too long he he was he was outclassed mm-hmm. and honestly it's amazing he was able to do that after again a year Away in which I'm sure he did a good chunk of training, especially for this fight. But we call this a vacation. Yeah. So I mean, it really legitimately was. He was paid I'm, for it. But, I'm, you know. I'm sure he had his fair share of uh, fights before this f- actual fight. You mean like skirmishes in you know war zone? Yeah. Yes. That's what probably. I'm, yes, I'm saying so. 
he didn't he being a year away from the cage, I guess, but not a year away from fighting. No, no, no. But it I mean it's still it's different because the, what I'm saying is especially that the skill erosion was not a thing. In fact, he looked kind of better. He looked really he he looked great. Yeah. Um where would you kind of sit him roughly in like the worldwide welterweight rankings now? Uh, you don't have to say like he, you know he's he's ahead of this guy but behind them if you feel like he can, but those like well, I mean, obviously, top obviously, five, top 10, top 20, top 10 for sure. Number 1 overall, probably top like 7. Top 7 sounds top fair. Top 7 somewhere in there. I I'm loath to put him at number 1 like Bellator's promoting, although they there's no reason to. there's no reason they can't do that legitimately that as an organization. It's 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 their prerogative to do that. I, I think sometimes it would strain credulity, but with him, if they feel like it, he's got an impressive enough record and he's coming off a great win. It's who's to say, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think realistically, it's hard to put him that much higher just yet. Probably needs to get a couple more wins against a lot more, you know, noteworthy competition. I guess names were a little more uh, respectful of in terms of what they've done in the sport. You know, and nothing against Logan Storley. You know, I know obviously that fight he had was terrible, but he also had some really fun fights in the past too. So you know, it, that that one recent example where you, of course, took the Storley knees from. Um, I don't think that's distinctly representative of the fighter himself. But it's you know, nonetheless, we still want to see. There are a lot of killers in the welterweight division of the UFC, and we don't really have that in Bellator right now. Is really should, what I'm getting at. Should do some cross promoting. Well, I'm not gonna get it with the UFC. Well, the UFC would never do it. But they should. I don't know what he would gain from beating anybody over at Bellator either, though. He has a he had a lot more to lose than than that. They'd have to pay him a lot of money. It seems like he's ready to fight whoever. Maybe they could, you know, send over some artillery and tanks and things to Ukraine. That would probably get him to do it. But I don't. I just don't know how many tanks PFL had. PFL. Yeah. So like you know to cross promote this kind of thing. Oh yeah. I'm gonna say zero. It's, it's pro- would... it, like it's almost definitely zero. But you know. You're sitting there thinking like there might like, be one, but I mean, but Sa- there's not. Sadabusi, no. He has no tanks. Yeah, he has that many tanks. Yeah. yeah, but but yeah, obviously Sadabusi would be the champion, the most recent champion anyway. There's no there's no juice to that fight. There isn't no. no. And Sadabusi, to be is, perfectly honest, is just not that entertaining not, a fighter not either. Entertaining at all. Yeah, I could see this fight actually end up being like it could actually even if Amosov wins, he could like lose here. That would be a tough one, but nonetheless, I I think. I think it's fair to put him definitely in the top ten. Top seven roughly sounds pretty good off the top of my head. Ask me after uh, after Shavkat Rachmanov fights this weekend, though. What the Shavkat does this week, mm-hmm. it could put Welterweight into a very, very interesting area. I have such high uh, expectations out of him and his career. But again, that's that's later yeah. on. That's later on. We'll talk about that a little later. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead. But that was really the main thing I want to talk about about Bellator. Obviously, they did, you know, they did their kind of focus on a lot of the Irish fighters. Um, Peter Queeley came out. He did the walkout that everybody loves. And Bellator called it, or one of the Bellator uh, reporters called it, the the greatest walkout in the sport. Um, that's hyperbole, but it is really impressive. It was cool watching um, Logan sing it while in the ring. What I thought was cool was so. during the fight, they would sing it like, audibly very loud that was pretty cool didn't help him because he lost but you know um but i don't really have much more to say about the the bellator card other than wow we got a really impressive performance out of amazon and we we will talk about some contested rounds from that as well um dan and i kind of cherry picked a few that we'll get to but i think we're going to focus at least on ufc both a couple topics and and uh contested rounds until we get around to those bellator contested rounds over on the ufc side 
mid-event, we lose the main event. Uh, this is not the first time it's happened recently for the UFC. Not a great look, but what can they do? I mean, I got sick. Nikita Krylov got sick, and the fight was Ryan Spans off. Did you miss that fight? Like, did you miss not having it? Um, no, I was just, I was, I got, I had to watch the event after it happened. So I was searching for it. I was like, where is this? <laughs> you didn't even it? know. You're like, where's this yeah. fight? Well, surprise, so no Dan. Clue. Didn't yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah. You caught up with that. Yeah, I, I figured it out. <laughs> but, but I mean, as far as I know. Well, actually, you know, know how, you know how live, I figured it out? How'd you figure it out? I turned on Muniz and, uh, and Brendan Allen. And I heard Bruce going through his main event routine. I'm like, wait, I guess what happened to the other fight? And then I Googled it and it got canceled. Mm, I see, I see. Yeah, but I mean, was that a fight you were kind of like hoping to watch or do you just not even care? Uh, I mean, it was a fine enough fight. It wasn't one I was like pumped for. Sure. I'm mean, Take it or leave it. So, Not a great endorsement of the current UFC structure of their cards. If we lose the main event and you're like, eh, eh whatever. That's how I feel about most main uh fight nights anyway i know but that's a problem like i i think i think that's terrible not your problem i think it's the ufc's problem they've they've created a lot of ambivalence to a lot of their product and i don't know if they really understand how much they're probably hurting themselves in the in terms of brand value long term that's how i see it i don't know if it's the ufc's problem or it's espn having them have to put this many events on well that's what it is but but they agreed to this deal they said 40 fights and they said yeah sure we'll deliver I guess. I mean, you would think ESPN would be like, hey, hey, do better. And it seems like they don't care too much either. So. They probably don't. It's probably not hurting their bottom line. They're happy to have the content, and it does well enough. But I'm just wondering how much it's going to hurt long term. I don't see it hurting long term. We'll see. We'll see the next time negotiations come around, I guess. Still a few years away. But uh, the main event that we did get, though, I at least, I, I will say, we've we've had some fights fall out before. And it was like, well, now we're left with uh, Impecasangani, right? Wasn't, wasn't that the one? Impa Kasangana was a main event? Am I thinking of the right one? I thought he did. I don't think he ever main evented. He was a contender series guy. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong... No, I'm thinking of somebody else. Uh, goodness. I'm, now I'm, I'm blanking on who it was, but it was a fight last year, and it was... No one gave a crap about that one. That was... That's Jessica I and Cynthia Calvillo? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, we're, we're trying to think it through here. I'm trying to work my was way back. Was that even a fight? In, uh, Jessica I and Cynthia Calvillo was definitely that, a fight. Yeah, yeah, that was the main event, right? Ah, uh, it was Kennedy and Zetraku and Iwan Kutelaba. Okay. That one. Gotcha. Yeah. That is easily the worst main event in UFC history. It was by default. They didn't have any choice because the Derek Lewis-Sergey Spivak fight fell out. That was in November. Right after they had the uh, the big success with the Adesanya Pajera pay-per-view, this happens. This, is, but I want to, my point that I was really trying to make is at least Andre Muniz and uh, Brendan Allen, I think was a more interesting fight than that certainly was. Because I had I had high expectations out of Muniz, and, and then he absolutely dropped the ball. For sure. He, he didn't look very good, but Brendan Allen looked quite good. Brendan Allen looked great. Conversely, yeah. so. And I like Allen, too. I didn't love this matchup because I didn't think, I thought that Muniz had a, deserved a, a higher caliber of opponent but maybe he just wasn't ready for it maybe then yeah. maybe the ufc matchmakers actually knew something here they uh, typically do a good job here and there i think the ufc matchmakers know their their fighters pretty well i think they do i i think they're probably the best at what they do that are still in the sport i thought joe silva did a better job of putting together the right fights yeah so but i kind of missed well, the way he did it but you missed um, didn't he force people to fight well, I'm not. Yeah. No, I don't like the methods. Oh. I don't like the methods. Oh, okay. The sausage, the way they made the sausage was disgusting. Oh, okay. But the results you can't argue with. Gotcha. Okay. That's, yeah. 
It is what it is, man. All right. Um, but we did get. I thought we got more interesting fights out of the that. Sorry, it's also a different time, right? There wasn't a fight every week. There wasn't different. Well, they had. They've had a lot of years where they've had late, uh, high thirties, low forties fights, even when Joe Silva was around. But less of them. More of them since then, since Joe Silva left. Right. At any rate, I did enjoy this fight. I thought it was fun, and I was looking forward to this fight anyway. So not too bad, as far as far as uh, you know, patchwork late shifting jobs go, right? Mm. But realistically, I think more people were interested in Tatiana Suarez's return anyway. Mm-hmm. Out of this whole card, I think that was the more like there's the main event, but what's the main attraction? I think the main attraction was Tatiana Suarez. Yeah, I for agree. a lot of people, at least who know the that sport. That was for right? me. That was why I was most interested in that. How do you think she looked? She looked good enough for a return after being out for four years. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. It's so, like, if you were to give it like a, a score one to ten, it's not a ten. Solid no. eight, maybe. Well, I would go like a seven. I would. The reason I go to eight there is my thing is she first off she got the win and she got the finish. Yeah, that's five. That's that's a big. I know. I think that's a pretty big part of okay. it. Okay. And I think she showed some some impressive stuff there. But yes, there's there's a way to go. I think she's got a little bit of catching up to do. It was it was up away class. It is. But Montana De La Rosa isn't necessarily the strongest fighter out there. No. In terms of strength, I'm saying like not it, not it, not in well, terms yeah. of as a quality but of opponent. She struggled to take her down. She basically resorted to a guard pull, and that's my point. So that's that. My point is that yeah, that's part of the problem. But I, I still feel like an eight is warranted. Right. I think she she should be happy with this the way it went. Everything could have it could have gotten a lot worse being out. Oh, could have could have gone a lot worse. So I I would say I'm gonna I'm good with my eight here. Okay. Seven's fine. Whatever. Right. It's a number. Fair it doesn't enough. really matter. Um, the point is, I think we were both pretty satisfied, but could have seen more, would have liked to have seen more, right? Next time. Yeah, well, I want to, uh, I'm not going to really grade her until she's back at 115, so. I don't love the idea of her going back to 115, or at least I didn't. Now, having seen her at 125, I wonder if maybe there's just issues with her size and stuff like that. If she can get to 115 very comfortably, like, that's fine. Well, that's what they were saying. They were saying she has, she's going to 115, she just wanted to no, I'd heard that. not yeah. have to deal with a cut. For this first fight back. Right, but the question is, how much does she cut to get down there? I don't know. She seemed pretty big back when she used to get mm. fighting at 115. I thought she was a pretty large woman down there. I don't know. She's a wrestler. She's used to it. I don't know what they're going to do. Well, she's had a lot of health issues is kind of the worry, you know? All right. But if she can get down there, I am curious to see what impact she could make at 115. I, that would be, if she can get right, I think she's the biggest threat over the next Two years, maybe even, uh, to Zhang Weili. Zhang Weili might be champ for a while. I think things are lining up for, so, in a way that Zhang Weili could really cement herself as potentially the best strawweight champion we've ever had. Yeah, and then who knows if they'll ever do the uh, fight with Rose again. Yeah, that would be weird. I mean, it's obviously, she's the champion. It, you can't not make that fight if Rose wins enough. Mm-hmm. Realistically, if Rose yeah. goes out there and she gets a good win... They might just have to make the trilogy fight. But I wonder, you never know with, with Rose Namajunas. She has not always done things the way you expect things to be done, right, in her career. Sometimes she fights a lot. Sometimes we kind of see her dip for a just bit. disappears for a little while. Yeah. So I don't know. This is, we're, coming, we're coming up on nine months now. I think it's been nine months since that fight she lost to Carlos Barza. We haven't seen her. We've seen Pat Barry, though. We've seen Pat Barry. That's true. Okay. He's been coaching some fighters. But Pat Barry, correct me if I'm wrong, Pat Barry is not Rose Nami. Correct. Yeah. 
That's making sure. But maybe she sees him on TV coaching. She's like, oh, I want to get back in there. She's got a lot of other pursuits. I know she's very interested in like helping people and like doing like nature projects and things like that. She wants to teach. I I I could imagine her just kind of being like, you know what? I could be good doing that other stuff too. Mm, I'm over it. She might. Yeah, and if she's if she's over it, and if she is, and I'm just totally throwing the idea out there of maybe, but we don't know. Good for her. Yeah. Get in, get out. Make your money and go. That's all I had to say really about these main cards and things or these fights and things like that, other than the uh, consistent rounds we're about to get to. But we should highlight the numbers, uh, which uh are distinctly different from UFC and Bellator. UFC had seventeen rounds, fourteen of them unanimous, and three well, no well, none of them were uh eight nine splits here. We had the one unanimous eight. Bellator had forty two rounds to score among eighteen fights, and thirty two of them were unanimous. Uh so that means, obviously, there were 10 contested rounds here. But out of 42, the percentage is still 76.2. That's better than usual. That's good. And over at UFC, it was 82.4. So just a, just a hair better, too. I I think what that means is we had some real good judging on the whole. Yeah, yeah we had good judging all over. Out of 59 rounds and uh, 13 contested rounds, we Dan and I decided to shave off a couple of the Bellator ones. We tend to do all the UFC. Bellator, we picked and chose a little bit. We'll get to those in a bit. Let's get to the three from the UFC first. Oh, by the way, there were three eight nine splits on Bellator too. So really, there were only seven descents out of forty two. Because so when we talk about descents, the, that word that we have given uh, is more about when you side with one fighter or the other, as opposed to the degree to which they won the round. So seven out of there is a real good percentage. Mm-hmm. I think they did a great job over in uh, in Ireland. There, real great teams. On both sides of the pond. But let's get to UFC, and let's start with the split decision that we had on the prelims. Ode Osborne got the win over Charles Johnson, split the first two rounds unanimously, and then round three is where there was actually a split round. 29-28s all around as a result. So round three, Dan, what happened to decide this fight? Yeah, a very close round. I thought both guys landed some shots early, nothing really all that heavy. A uh, couple of grappling exchanges that I thought Osborne was getting the better of. Uh, both guys very tired, uh, really have nothing on any of their strikes. Uh, I don't really recall flyweights being this gassed or getting that gas so hard. Um, I think technically Os- they're not flyweights. This was 130 uh, pounds. They're flydom weights. They're <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so yeah, Osborne got the late takedown. He landed some strikes. You know, I just think it's really close. You know, some of the strikes that, uh, Johnson were landing. Later on, it seemed like Osborne's head was going back a little bit, but it also felt like these strikes almost had nothing on them. I thought it was a really close round, but I sided on Osborne 10-9. Yeah, I can understand your logic there, especially just because how much energy are we really generating out of these strikes? But I didn't value a whole lot of what Osborne did to begin with either. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not a not a sensational round <laughs> overall, right? But I went the other way. I did go Johnson. I, I kind of ended up siding with what he did late in that round to kind of tip it over. Cause I was mostly on Osborne up until that point. I said, you know what? I think in a round like this where there just doesn't have a ton happening, I think Johnson was able to tip the scale. Okay. So that's fair. So I have Charles Johnson as my fly to weight champion. You have Ode Osborne as your fly to weight. I do. Fly, fly to weight. Fly to weight. Fly to weight. Yeah. yeah. I like Fun it. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first loss that Johnson ever got comes from Sean Santella. Oh, I didn't realize that. His very first loss. I have another fun fact. Charles Johnson is also the name of the Florida Marlins catcher when they won the World Series in 1997. Oh, and I that. loved Charles Johnson. 
One of my favorite players. Yeah, that was a good year. Great oh, defensive catcher. 97. That's because the Yankees messed up. But That's true, because they, they lost to the... Uh, lost to the Indians. Lost to the Indians. We beat in seven games, including one of the... Col- I think it was actually the coldest World Series game ever. It was like really? six. Yeah. It was like it was like 30 degrees or wow. something. I forget. I was a kid, but uh, I definitely remember it being really cold. Um, I stayed up to watch that game seven that went into extras, and, and Craig Council crosses the plate. Edgar Renteria's hit. Parents let me stay up on a school night. Nice. I was jumping around. I still remember it. <laughs> that was great. Um, but anyway, on the, the next, uh, do you want to talk World Series or do you want to talk uh, fights? Is that a serious question? <laughs> well, I know which way you'll go, so let's let's go to the fights. All right. <laughs> I'll take the choice away. Let's get back to the fights. Uh, Brendan Allen, of course, got the win over Andre Muniz that we talked about earlier via round three rear naked choke submission, which is, I mean, let's face it. If we're talking about ways that Brendan Allen was going to beat Andre Muniz, I would not have said round three submission. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my guy, Eric Richter I, said, I think he said it was like, whatever the odds were translates to like a 4% chance or something like that. Oh, cause that's like 25 to one. Yeah. Yeah. I forget what it was. I'm, I'm, I'll pull it up while we're talking here, but, um, yeah, damn it. This is a split round here. What uh, in first round, excuse me. What uh was happening in the first uh, round? Both guys were exchanging inside leg kicks. Uh both landed pretty good to the head. It, it's it's a very close round. Muniz probably landed the cleanest, hardest shot of the round. But I think Allen slightly wobbles Muniz, so you know, that's the factor for me. Uh Muniz was good to the body. Allen really wasn't uh that great to the body, but he, he did have a nice uh body kick to the body. Um, but the fact that Allen... A body kick to the body, you said. Yeah, huh, more redundant. These things happen. Say? These things what happen. You, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, very close round, but I, I do think Muniz being wobbled uh, puts it over for me for Allen, 10-9. Uh, yeah, I I definitely felt pretty good about an Allen round here. I, I know people were saying it was close. I didn't end up watching this over again, and, and I do respect that this was a close enough round. I felt pretty good at the time to give this one to Allen. And so that's what I did. I, I mm-hmm. thought for the same reason. I thought that he kind of clipped him there a little bit. And I thought overall he was just doing a better job okay. in the striking department. So, no, I, I didn't I didn't really give too much thought to Muniz here. I don't know if I was discounting him or what. Maybe I was. Um, did you think it was close round? I thought it was very really close. Did? Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I trust your judgment on this one because you watched it later, obviously. Um, by the way, I don't think I mentioned on the last fight uh, that you sided with Chris Lee and Anthony Manis and Osborne. And I sided with Junichiro Kamija. Okay. This fight, you and I sided with Allen, same as David Lethaby and Ron McCarthy. It was Chris Lee on the island himself with uh, Andre Muniz. But, again, you're saying it's close. I think it's I tr- close, I'll, yeah. I will totally trust you here, absolutely. Uh, I just did not get the chance to watch this one again uh, as much as I would have liked to. But I will say before we move on from this fight, Dan, Eric Richter, again, my, my colleague at the Post, said... It was forty to one 41. round three submission, which translates to two point four four percent chance. Okay, forty to one. Maybe that guy who lost all that money betting Muniz should have put it on uh, Ooh, Brendan yeah, Allen. They, they oh, put that 117, on the broadcast. Yeah. People are dumb. Don't do that with your money. There are other things oh. you can do with your money. Yeah, give it to me. <laughs> I will find a good way to use it. <laughs> there are a lot of projects in my home that I could use that on. I want a deck. I want a deck. Yeah. Get Scott a deck, please. Yeah, please. Stop don't, don't wait. Don't give it to DraftKings. They don't need it. Yeah. They don't need it. <laughs> so send me your money. Anyway, moving on to the last of the UFC rounds that we're going to talk about. Oh, contested rounds, I should say. Uh, Nerillo Aliyev, right? Aliyev? Aliyev. Aliyev, I guess. yeah. I don't, I don't really all day know. strong, all day long. 
got the win over Rafael Alves or Rafael Alves, 30-27 twice and a 29-28. So we're only talking about well actually no, I have that wrong, right? Because there was a point point deduction. There was a point deduction. So it was 29-27 twice. Thank you. 28-28. I transcribed that wrong. It was a majority decision. Mm -hmm. Goofy guy over here. Majority decision by the scores that Dan said. Uh, Dan, I should stop talking. Why don't you go for this? What's happening in round one that's split? Yes. uh, Alves lands a a left hook, and then he gets taken down. And from here, he's just stuck in the grinder. Uh, Aliyev doesn't really do much in terms of ground and pound, but I do think his grappling is probably the most effective offense of the round. Aliyev is trying to pass and keeping Alves down, who clearly doesn't want to be there. Alves has some weird issues going on right now where he gets bit somehow. Yeah. And a point's taken. There's no clear view of what happened. Uh, I think it was probably two fouls, on a, a foul on each guy. Alves was probably fish hooking him, and Aliyev was like, I'm going to bite you if you keep your finger in my mouth. <laughs> uh, that's what it looks like to me, Maybe. I don't really know, but end- I didn't end- get that out of it to be honest. He ends up losing a point, um, and you know, back on the feet, nothing really happened after uh, Alves does get because uh, he loses the position, so he's back on the feet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think Aliyev lands a clinch elbow. Really, nothing else happened that round. I think it's a- an Aliyev round ten nine. Almost nothing happened in that round, like almost entirely, except for a finger being bit. Yeah. On the official uh, numbers, the significant strikes, of course, which are crap. Um, Aliyev actually landed zero. Okay. Yeah. But he, they they gave him nine total strikes, and I think, you know, when you remember back that that round, we're thinking about kind of those punches to the body, those, you know, I don't know how digging mm-hmm. they were, but he was trying to get some body punches in there. Those count. I actually didn't think it was that bad, Those those some of those things he was landing to the body there a little bit, giving a little okay. bit of work to there. I'm not saying it was going to finish the fight, but realistically, it was less. I thought it was less, or I should say more than pitter-patter. Okay. More than pitter-patter, but maybe not quite to the point where it was like, oh, those are good strikes, you know? On the whole, I went with Ali of two. All right. It was a weird round Strange. for a lot of reasons. Strange. Including round. a bite. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so we sided with Ali of and uh, Adelaide Bird, Janitra Camijo. Ron McCarthy was on his own seeing this one for Alice, but so little happens in it. It's like, yeah. sure, no problem. Ron, you want to go that way? Be my guest. That is fine. Uh, let's talk a little more about that bite though because it was i thought it was interesting the way they kind of operated it right so he's you know he's saying oh he bit me right Mm -hmm. he's showing his finger showing there's a mark mark smith referee is acknowledging there's a mark they go to the replay chris tanyoni is the replay ref i believe they were saying right it's chris tanyoni yeah and ultimately they go through the review jeff mullen comes up and communicates to mark smith that uh they didn't see it on the video. They couldn't find it on the video. We couldn't find it either when UFC was trying to pull it up as well. But nonetheless, they, you know, the sole arbiter, the referee, made the decision to take the point. It was interesting because, like you're saying, maybe there's some fish hooking going on. I Yeah, I don't know. Because if that's the case, I mean, yeah, it's, it's almost like committing a foul. And you're alleging something here, you know? It's just what I'm just saying what it looks like to mm-hmm. me. I mean, the guy's, sure. the guy's hands over his face. I couldn't the finger quite, could be in there. I didn't quite get that out of that. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're right. But I didn't get that out of it when I was watching. I couldn't figure out what was going Because I didn't think they got a good camera angle at it. Everything's very compressed, right? There's only so many cameras in that place. And a lot of them have to shoot through fences and things, which any judge would tell you is not the best way to watch these fights. Sometimes these angles with the fencing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was... It was a weird situation because we're all kind of just working off of like, hey, there is a bite mark here. But it's like, but why did the bite mark get there? Like you're like you suggest at the very least, 
what if you're right? What if there was fish that created the scenario where he could bite him? Don't the penalties offset? I, w- I think football, uh, yeah. football terminology. I don't there? really, I didn't really care for this point take for being honest. It was weird. I, cause what are you going to, what are you going to do in a situation? You're going for a rear naked choke. You're over the guy's mouth and you're digging your forearm into his teeth and he gets out and then you come out and now you got bite marks on your arm. We taking a point there? Cause you got, I mean, you're crushing his face. Like, if you and if you see him actually chomp down on a finger, yeah, I mean disqualification at that point, actually. But I, this, I mean, just because we see a we see a a mark, it could have happened anyway. I had I had a thought when mm-hmm. I was watching this kind of scenario play out. What if devil's advocate here? What if? And I'm not even saying he did this, but what if a fighter says, "You know what I'm going to do? I'm gonna bite my finger before I go out there. <laughs> I'm gonna leave a mark, and if I need to, I'm gonna call him out on it." Well, and yeah. just try to get it in there. You never know. I'm well, not saying they get away with it because it's, that's a big risk. But I mean, shoot, fighters will look for any edge, right? Yeah, ace up the sleeve. Now you're not <laughs> you're not playing the percentages to to try and get a point deduction in an MMA fight. To be perfectly honest, right? It's not exactly a high percentage scenario where they actually do take the point. I think we're more surprised than than not that Mark Smith actually did take a point here. But it is interesting if they couldn't see. How it happened, what do you do? It's a weird thing, right? It's strange. Like I said, I'm devil's advocate here. And I'm I'm not making that is not an allegation. When, when I saw on, uh, when I saw the scorecard and I saw a one point deduction for a biting, my my was like, Huh? Why wasn't it just <laughs> you a perked D- up? <laughs> why wasn't it just a DQ? Well And then I got to the situation. I said, all right. It's just a finger. This is weird. Eh. Ronnie Lott played well, his finger got uh, after his finger got uh yeah. amputated. Mm-hmm. But that was between weeks. It's like you can be out of the rest of the season or you can play next week. Yeah, take the finger. Get rid of it. It is merely a scratch. That is it though for UFC. Again, very mild here. I don't think anybody was up in arms even about the uh the split decision. I know they Osborne, right? No, I don't I, well, I wasn't really on social media Oh, uh, okay. So I, I mean I really wasn't know. either. I again I had a busy day too and I was playing a lot of catch up. But uh Yeah, well, let's move over to the Bellator side. We select Well we got we got one more round, right? Don't we? What? 10, 10, 7 watch? Oh, we'll do that at the end. Oh, that's the yeah, end. We'll, oh, yeah, let's do that. I got you. Okay. Uh, we'll keep it contested rounds and then we'll go back, circle back to the 10 gotcha. 7 watch. Um, but you're right. We do. Over on the Bellator side, we selected three fights two from the main card, one from the prelims. And we'll start with the one on the prelims, which was a split decision. Brian Moore getting the win over Luca Iovine. Relation to Jimmy? Probably not. Okay. I mean, you know, at some point, it's probably a similar clan. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming, but you never know. My guess is no. Uh, split decision victory, and this is actually an alternative decision because the two split rounds in this fight were won by Iovine on two of three cards, mm. but he still lost the split decision. So let's kind of. Th- that's why I wanted to target this fight. I, anytime you get that alternative decision, I'm like, hmm. Let's talk about this one. So let's talk about this one. Round two first, yeah. because the first round was a Brian Moore round. Okay. Uh, Moore's doing well fighting going backwards. I, I felt he was doing really well countering. Iveen, not really landing early. Uh, he was going forward, but I don't think he was really landing there. Uh, he finally does land that one good right. He has a good body kick. Moore's landing more, but, you know, heavier shots. Moore's landing more, you say? Yes, he That's is. Good. He's landing the more volume. And a body kick to uh, the body? And, yes, <laughs> but uh, I think Iveen may be landing slightly heavier. Uh, he has him running backwards after a connection at one point, but I, I still don't think Iveen is ahead by a large margin. Probably a, a small margin here. Mm. Gets the takedown, uh, throws some 
punches here, uh, but nothing really lands except that one shot that we have a terrible angle at. <laughs> but I imagine it landed, but I, I can't see how good it landed. I don't know. But I, I wonder if some judges had a better so angle than the possible. cameras, because that does uh, happen. So, I mean, they scramble a bit. Iveen's kind of on the back, no hooks, grabbing the neck, no real danger there, uh, or sub-threat. You know, they fight back to the feet before action stops for a low blow. Uh, Brian Miner issues the hard warning. Final minute they spend on the feet, and I think Moore takes the round in this final minute. I think he lands some heavy shots, busted open the eye of, eye of Iveen, uh, and I don't think he really did much in return to that. So I, I like more in a close round, 10-9. I was very torn here for that reason. Anytime you get like a late push in a round where not a ton happened, mm-hmm. it's always going to make you be like, well, I don't know. Now, neither a ton, I wouldn't even say a ton happened from more in the last minute either, right? It's it's not a big minute, but he he lands well. You know what I mean? He landed good. It's not like it's not like anyone would undeniably be like, yeah, he took the round. Obviously, he he stole the round. We've seen that before. I didn't think that happened here. Mm-hmm. That was very close. I was torn. I didn't quite go over the hump like you did, so I stuck with Ivine, uh, which again was the majority score here. Eric Colon, Saldamato saw it my way. And you saw it uh, the same as Paul Sutherland. Yeah. UK judge. Round three, though, is also split. And once again, Iveen is the majority score here. Uh, what happened? So I- Iveen landed pretty solid uh, early on, and then he decided he's going to get a takedown. Uh, land some ground and pound here. Nothing too big. Moore's being active, but it's more of, you know, just kind of hipping out, trying to create something, not really doing much uh, in terms of actually getting a submission or setting anything up. Uh, eventually... Iveen takes the back and just kind of hangs out here. Maybe a couple pitter-patter shots. More escapes with around, you know, 30 seconds left. Knows he needs to land heavy. Lands two good elbows. And is, you know, he's swinging for the fences. I think he definitely wins the final 30 seconds of the fight. Was it enough to surpass what Iveen's early stand-up and grappling? I don't really think it does, but it's very close. Uh, but I side with Iveen 10-9. And see, this time I actually did think it was enough to put him over. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, this type of round is is very much, uh, it's almost like a Rorschach test. You just kind of, you see what you see, right? Um, close round, mm. undeniably. This is not one of those split decisions anybody should get up in arms about. It's unfortunate when it looks this way. And you've got one argument saying, hey, obviously the official way you score it, two judges gave it to more. But then you have the other way that said, hey, the judges gave collectively two out of the three rounds to Ivy. It felt like that, too. Okay. <laughs> this fight is what I'm saying. It's like, this felt kind of like, yeah, I could see how it could go both ways. You totally could see it. It's unfortunate. One has to lose, but that's just the way it went. So I, I saw this one the same way as Eric Cologne. You saw it uh, as uh, Judges D'Amato and Sutherland. So your card actually was in lockstep with Paul Sutherland, and I was... I don't want to say in cahoots. I almost said in cahoots because it's not like I was working with Eric Cologne here. But yes, I saw it the same way as him. Um, I imagine we don't see everything the same way, though, because, you know, Taylor no, Ham is in is North Jersey. <laughs> um, as we know, pork roll is is a cuss word. Um, and that's what it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but that was it for the prelims that we wanted to talk about. There were some more, but we, we kind of left them alone. Let's skip over to the main card here. And we're going to start with the curtain jerker of the main card. Kieran Clark got a dominant victory over Leonardo Sinise, 30-26 on all three cards, but there were two rounds that got 10-8 splits, so that's why we're talking about it. So let's start with round one. Yeah, round one, Clark gets a takedown pretty, you know, right away. Uh, I think he's landing heavy, but he's inside the guard, so I think some of the shots in return from Sinise are actually pretty solid. He's, he's throwing off his back. 
uh, not nearly as hard as Clark, but you know, still pretty good. Clark is landing a lot of punches though. It it's basically one way traffic. You know, uh, problem is he's not trying to advance his position. Uh, eventually he does pass the side control, and then he's on the back with the body triangle. I think Clark just kind of barely makes it over the line for an eight. Uh, so I'm on an eight, ten, eight, uh, for Clark. It was close, right? It really was, but it, it just it felt different, you know. It just felt different. I think you can check the D's here. I think you definitely have dominance for sure. And I think you have good duration on this too. And I think the damage is close enough. It's not quite like that mm-hmm. heavy damage, right? Mm-hmm. But I think, I, I feel like this round stands out from a 10-9. Yeah, well, there's only one way to score this round for well, for one fighter meaning. Of course. so Of course, it's Clark. Clark won the round. We know yeah. Clark won every round of this fight. No one was mm-hmm. debating that. We were really even the the, uh, the broadcast team was just kind of like, well, how many how many ten eights are in here? <laughs> let's, let's find out. Um, and it turned out there was one to two, mm-hmm. uh, or or none to two, te- technically speaking. But uh, yeah, I, I thought this was an eight. Ultimately, kind of a borderline eight, probably a, a CSJ eight mm-hmm. as opposed to a CSJ seven. Mm-hmm. Kind of one of those like didn't quite get there, but this is definitely a different round. Yeah. So I felt like an eight was warranted here. So you and I both had it that way. Same as Eric Cologne, same as Ben Cartledge. Round two. Round two. What about it? Oh, similar round. Clark gets a takedown immediately, and he moves to mount. But it's a it's a real low mount. It's like I almost he did it on purpose so the body would be a target from mount. Not really sure on that. Maybe I don't I don't know if it's something they train or. or philosophy he has on the mount mm-hmm. but i think these he's going body body head but i think they're really hard body and really hard head uh the problem here is there's a lull for a while where where sinise isn't taking much damage while clark is kind of trying to get around to the back or you know pass to an, a, a better position uh eventually he kind of gives up on that i guess and he hears the clacker and just starts raining elbows <laughs> and the elbows here will put it over for me for the eight so 10 8. Yeah, again, this is probably another one that would qualify in that middle ground. You know, 10 8 and a half, some people will say, mm-hmm. right? You know, this felt like another. I think both of these are 10 8 and a half. I think you can get there, though. I think you can get to the end. Yeah. I think there's more duration and I think there's more dominance, but there's. I think there's actually less damage. So I, thought there was, I thought there was heavy damage. I think at the very end there round. is. Yeah. But, but, but like, on the whole, I think the damage is better in round two than round one. I guess maybe you can make that. Yeah. Maybe I'm just misremembering, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> I watched I watched these both back to back, and and if they were so similar, like you said, I didn't take as good of notes. Mm. <laughs> so I'll I'll be honest there. Um, either way, I still think both of these are kind of those ten eight and a half kind of okay. things. So, which accounts for the fact that we're split here, right? Yeah. So because uh, it, it was judges Cologne and Cartledge once again, same judges had you know the majority score. They had it as a nine. Judge D'Amato gave it the eight. You and I gave it the eight. What does that mean for Judge D'Amato? Catch that over. <laughs> was that one extra annoying? No. Okay, good. That was a good one. I think other people at home might disagree. <laughs> I'm sorry if you don't like it. I, I I do it out of love and passion. Passion for the horn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm goofy, man. I've had a weird weekend. I tell you, did I tell you what I did a Friday night too? Friday night was the Nas concert. Oh, that I was, was a going concert. To. Yeah, yeah. I went. To, I went to see okay. see uh, the goat level rapper Nas at Madison Square Garden. Any surprise guests? Yeah, I had a few people come out. Uh, Mary J. Blige popped out for a little bit. Uh, Slick Rick. Really? Yeah. I bumped fists with Slick Rick afterward. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I was walking by. He was coming out, and I just kind of went over, and I was like, hey, thank you. 
My brother-in-law. I went with my brother-in-law. He was trying to get a picture, but Slick Rick was just walking away. Like, leave the guy alone. (laughs) So Slick Rick and Mary Jack came out? Yep. Nice. Uh, I mean, among others, but yeah, those those were- Who else? uh, Oz. I don't know Oz. Or AZ. Oh, AZ. AZ. I was was saying Oz. I was an old habit. Uh, AZ, yeah. Um, Who else came out? Hit Boy is is the collaborator he often works with right now. Okay. Um. So he was out there for a minute too. I'm blanking. There was someone else. One thing was really nice though, because it was again it was at Madison Square Garden. Mm. Um. DJ Green Lantern, by the way, was the warm up act. Oh, okay. So he had he had everybody rocking. That was fun. Um. But late in the concert, because he did half of the material was his new stuff, like from the last three albums, The King's Disease. Okay. One, two, and three, and then the other half was like the old school stuff everybody loves. Okay. And when he did one mic, you know one mic? Yeah. You like that one? I like, yeah. I like I like that one a lot. One mic, he does one mic, and he was starting to get emotional, you could tell. And then afterward, he was saying, my mom's here tonight, and she used to work across the street from the garden at the at the post office. Oh, nice. So it was like, it was a really cool thing for him. Like, you kind of yeah. felt that, right? Yeah. Nice shout out to his mom. And then the next track he plays is Uchiwali, which, as you know, is a little more raunchy. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, get out there, thank mom. And then, all right, now we'll move on. Thanks, Ma. Yeah, that was good. You know, put your earphones in now. <laughs> but that was, that was a cool concert. I've, I've had not as much sleep. It's been a busy, busy, busy weekend. Busy so. week. Yeah, I never sleep, but this was particular. <laughs> but it was a good weekend. Um, One more Bellator round we'll go over was the Bryce Logan first round win. Well, Second round win, first round was split over Peter Queeley. TKO victory, elbows and punches thrown in there. Ref has to stop it. Round one is split. So why uh, why why are we thinking about this round? I mean, it's it's a decently close round. I mean, Logan landed a couple good strikes, busted open Queeley's nose a bit. But I think on the whole, Queeley was more immediately impactful, evident by wobbling Logan. I think he definitely put a stamp on it at the end of the, the round doing so. But, you know... I didn't think he had the lead prior to that, so maybe it's a little closer. I guess it could be. I, you know, I don't think this is a bad score to split it. Excuse me. <coughs> I'm leaving that in. I'm not looking for that. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I didn't think it was a bad score or anything like that, but I, I felt pretty good about Queeley getting this round. Yeah, me too. I thought, I thought he was landing with much more impact throughout. Um, close but clear, or just close? Mm, I mean. Close, bordering clear. Okay, that sounds about right. Yeah, we're almost we're almost there. We're not quite in the point where we're not yeah. being able to finish. Yeah, so that's all right. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll absolve Paul Sutherland. I think this is fine. Yeah, to to give that one to Logan, but we saw it much much more comfortably for judges Marcel Varela and Eric Colon. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's all we wanted to kind of go over from Bellator. We got the ten seven watch still though. Like we like you wanted to talk about. We're going to talk about from UFC. On the prelims, Jasmine uh, Jazdavicious got Just the what? Vicious Jazzy. Jazdavicious. Yeah. Vicious. Jazdavicious. Yeah. It's a long, that's a tough one. She got the win over Gabriela Fernandez, 30 26 on all three cards because round two was a unanimous 10 8. But the question I have is should Chris Lee, David Letheby, or Ron McCarthy have maybe considered going to the seven here? No. Why not? Uh, well, we got overwhelming dominance for sure on the ground. Fernandez has nothing for her, no idea what to do, and she's just stuck in a crucifix eating elbows. I think the damage is there. I just don't think it's overwhelming. Many elbows, but none really that big. Uh, salad duration. Uh, I just don't think damage or duration are overwhelming, so I think the 10-8 is perfect. Yep, I'm good with it too. 
I don't think we're we're not watching an uncomfortable level of damage, and I think that's what you kind of start to really look for when you're starting to move into the seven territory. Mm-hmm. Is the, the the damage starts to get to be like, oh damn, and we didn't see that. No, nope. so very solid eight, but mm-hmm. an eight nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And that's it for the rounds. Uh, finish wise, we had six finishes uh, each on the UFC and Bellator. UFC had a higher percentage because they only had I think eleven fights when it really came down to it. Um, Bellator obviously had 18 and no post limbs, by the way, they got all the prelims. They got them all. They in. did every prelim. Yep. They did a good job with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, UFC had two TKOs or KOs four submissions yet again, more subs than TK uh, than strike based finishes. This is wild. The, the, the trend just won't go away. Maybe, maybe we'll just... have we turned a corner in the sport? Maybe we have not. It's a small cage. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. I mean, didn't this even happen in Australia? I'm trying to remember. Possibly. I think it actually happened in Australia, too. Okay. They use, they use big cage down Which under. makes him... I don't understand. Why is they don't just put a big cage in the apex? Or well, they comes... just do a small cage everywhere. I guess. Why? why I guess, the, yeah, the, the question I've always had is, why are we doing two different ones? Why not just do one? Make them uniform. You want to switch yeah. to the smaller one? Switch to the smaller one. People seem to like it. Just pick one. I don't know if people... I mean... You like it, I thought. I, think I do like it. Cage. I do like it, but I'm, I don't think Stipe liked it against Francis. He probably didn't, but you know, it's an entertainment-based product. Yeah, sure. So there you go. If you're gonna stick a bunch of heavyweights on the middle of main cards all the freaking time, I'm looking at you, Augusto Sakai and Dante Mays. That was yeah. That was a that was a fight that happened. I was just ha- I actually watched that entire fight because mm-hmm. I didn't know which rounds were split. Yeah. And I was just glad that it was one way. You should have asked me. So. Just before you watch a heavyweight fight that you you're gonna go back and watch, just ask me. Yeah. Is there a round here? <laughs> I can save you some time. <laughs> it was an okay fight though. It wasn't great. Ask me two questions. You asked me, is there a round here? And does it go past round one? <laughs> I'll give you those two. Well, I can figure out that by the time the length of I it. guess that's true. Yeah. You see the length of the timestamps and everything like that. But but yeah, so in each fight, by the way, each uh fight card had three first round finishes i should say bellator had five tkos no no straight you know ko it was all five ko's excuse me tkos and then one submission but which among those 12 finishes was your favorite uh tatiana suarez guillotine over uh, montana de la rosa four years away come back at a finish i don't know if she can ask for more but only so. a seven on her on the rating the yeah because it's just it was, i wasn't blown away i understand she struggled in the wrestling department and had to resort to that sure so. sure she had to resort to finishing the fight. I get it. I get yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the way she in in a secondary way. I I understand. So. I understand. I'm I'm teasing you, of course. Um yeah, I think for me that was that was my favorite finish too, but I wanted to pick something that was a lot more like let's say fun in this in okay. well, fun for somebody. Uh Joe Selecki <laughs> chokes out Carl Deaton, uh unconscious. Five seconds to go in round two rear naked choke you can see him he's like trying to throw up a hand and all of a sudden it just yeah he's he's just dead he's out (laughs) he went out he went down very quickly i feel like this is a type of fight a type of finisher that i would show somebody who like if they watch a movie they're like you can't choke someone unconscious that quickly i'm like oh yeah (laughs) watch this (laughs) there's probably i know there's been quicker like i'm i've thought i've had that like thought before i'm like this is the fight i'm gonna show people be like no it's actually more realistic than you think (laughs) Uh, snapping next a little different though can't snap tonight. It's not. It's not happening. <laughs> uh, but man, that is. Uh, that's all I have for UFC Bellator Saturday Extravaganza. Yeah, let's move on to this amazing. We we wanted to talk about this a couple times. Yeah, UFC 285. It's 
it's a stack card, top to bottom. Stack card. Really good. This is this is the one that I mean, you know, because it's stacked even the prelims, I wouldn't say the prelims are the reason why you buy it, but even the main card is very good. It's it's a really really The prelims are why you buy it? No, you I'm just saying said no. That. No, I'm, I'm oh. I was saying no, you wouldn't just buy oh, it because oh. of the prelims. I got you. But the prelims are even stacked too, but also yeah. the main card is as well. Sorry, I said that wrong. It's been a weekend, man. It's been a busy weekend. A good one, but a busy one. Good. John Jones is back. Three years away, he's been dealing with weight gain. He's been gaining weight. <laughs> he's been dealing with weight gain, yes. He's getting fat. He's ready to go. Yeah, he doesn't look fat. No, he's big boy. He's ready to go. Yeah, I mean, the legs are still skinny, but what are you going to do? He is finally <laughs> not getting made fun of at the family get-togethers by his brothers Yeah, for being the small guy. Yeah, but he could always have beaten them up. <sighs> Who knows? Who knows? Size is a is a great. I equalizer. tend to favor the greatest fighter, uh, ta- fighting talent of all time. Yeah, I'm sure he probably he he'd probably beat his older brothers and who are not fighters. I think he'd do that. Not if it was two on one. That would be tougher. I'll give you that. Yeah, but I bet you it's more like a free for all. So like a triple threat. Yeah, uh, that'd be wild. That would be wild. That would be interesting to see. <laughs> uh, we're not having that though. This weekend it's it's him against Cyril Gaon, uh, for the UFC heavyweight title to determine the number two heavyweight in the world. You like this fight? To determine the number two heavyweight in the world. Correct. I don't know. Maybe. Number one heavyweight in the world is Francis Ngannou. Sure. But do you like this fight? I like, yeah, I do. Yeah. I like this fight. Yeah. I think John Jones, like I've said this many times, I think he got bored at uh, lightweight, uh, light heavyweight. I don't think you're wrong. Um, I expect it's also been a see... long time since he wasn't bored and he was fighting. It's I'm... been like almost six years. I'm expecting John Jones years. to be spectacular. Spectacular. Yeah. Wow. That's what I'm expecting. Okay. I don't know how I feel about this one. I I could see this going any of two ways. I think if he decides he wants to take it down, uh, it's his fight to lose. But I think if he starts playing around a little bit and doing kind of the... Because, again, we've gotten used to seeing him fight in a way that I thought was maybe a little less engaged, right, at light heavyweight. Yeah. We've gotten used to that. How much of that is actually him just not being as good as he used to be? What if that's really the case? We're, we're writing it off, but what if it's real? Until someone proves that. Well, I can't say that. We've got, what, five days until we find out. We will find out next Saturday. I'm John Jones won me over at your apartment years ago when he finished. Uh, he almost had the Americana. He almost got the Americana yeah. at my and house. Then he, that's did right. get, he did get the Americana. At my against house. Against Vitor Belfort. Yeah. In my living room. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I'm expecting to be blown away the same way I was blown away that night. I am not expecting that. So, I mean, if he goes out there and wins, I wouldn't be surprised. If he looked impressive, sure. I'm not. I'm not quite as uh, maybe. Gutsy I mean, as you, possibly, I possibly Gustafson too violent finish. Possibly. See, that's that's the John Jones that I thought we would see more of when he did come back and he did beat Gustafson. Even before that fight, I was kind of hopeful. I I asked him about it because I I'd asked him at that time. I said, you know, you used to have just like this devastating ground and pound. We haven't seen that as much lately. And I'm not saying I planted the idea, but it did happen right after. I was like, uh, "Oh, this is what I was hoping for." I thought it, I thought that was more of uh, Gustafson kept bringing up the picograms to him, and he's like, "You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, make you eat those words, yeah, and just pummel your face." Well, he should start doing that more um, often. So that's P- where... pummeling faces is like a good way to make money. I'm just very excited to see him fight again. Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of people are. Um, obviously, he's a complicated character, but I think the sport's more interesting when he's involved than when he's lifting weights for three years and yeah getting into trouble in vegas He's with his wife been training with Sahuda. fiance that's been a long time yeah yeah <laughs> a lot of things have happened yeah it's been 
we started we launched our show with the first episode about John Jones' last fight. We've been on the air. This is just about three years since we've had this podcast. We're, we're this week is the three year anniversary of our launch. Two, and just now John Jones is coming back. Yeah. Look at that. It's weird. It's a weird full circle thing. Two hundred and twenty eight. Yeah. This is two hundred twenty nine, I believe. Yeah. Bookends. But we're not ending. No. So No, we're we've only just begun. Yeah. <laughs> we got a good co main now. I love the co main. Valentina Shemchenko, I think she's actually going to put on a really good performance here. I think Alexa Grasso, as talented as she is, I think she probably just isn't in the right class here. Famous last word, mm-hmm. but Valentina Shevchenko, I, I think, I think she's probably more motivated now by the by the women in her division. I think there's that's, some interest that's, now. So that's what I was about to ask you. Do you think Blanchfield, looking as impressive as she did, would make her more interested in that fight, or would you think she'd be more interested in fighting Nunez? I think she. I think there is some interest in Nunez. I don't think she feels the need to do it. Okay. Because she, when you ask her about it, sometimes she gets a little touchy. Hmm. But like, why does everybody want me to do this? Why does everyone want me to do this? I have other things to do. I'm the champion here. Okay. Talk about that. But then also, you hear her sometimes be like, "Yeah, you know, if this is a fight everybody wants, I could take that." You know, so like, I feel like she kind of is just happy to do one or the other. She doesn't really mind. But to answer your question, I think people like Orange Blanchfield, uh, Menon Ferro, I think these are women of interest to her. I think now we've even seen that the fight with Tyler Santos, as much as you and I agree, probably the scoring overall was close, but also the fight was kind of close, but not. Right. You know, even her, she's in the mix. She didn't lose anything. Mm-hmm. She bowed out of the last fight she was going to have with her in Blanchfield, but she's that last fight, I mean, it's still there. People remember it. People people have an opinion of it that thinks, okay, you know, if she goes out there and she beats somebody, you know, hey, maybe she's back in there too. Yeah. And then and we had Valentina Shevchenko calling out uh, Rin Nakai. I don't know if you know who that is. Do you remember who that is? Not a clue. She had one fight in the UFC. She's Japanese. Uh, I think she was the Deep Jewels champion for a while. I forget where she is champion now, but she just recently won. Um, her, her one fight in the UFC was a loss to uh, Misha Tate. Okay. You know, have a decision at 135. She's fighting at 25 now. But Shevchenko just the other day said, congratulations, you look good. Like, I'd love to see you test yourself in the UFC, more or less. I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. But she'd like to see her kind of go in, pick a couple wins, and then maybe see her test herself. So right. who knows? She's got her eyes on her own division, though. All right. So that's good, then. I kind of, I'm kind more interested in that anyway. So I, I do want to see a trilogy fight because it was close enough, even though I, I'm prepared for it not even to be a good fight. But I do want it. I don't know. I just kind of I think I think we need to have like a little closure in there because the last fight was so close and because there just aren't big major fights that we can make for especially Amanda Nunes. Okay. Again, I think there's more interest now in Shevchenko. Fair. But Nunes has just beat everybody. And yeah, I mean they could in theory do the trilogy with Juliana Pena, but I've talked about this on before on the show. I don't see it going much better for <laughs> Pena. I think she had her moment, and that was it. Uh, judges for this one, of course, is going to be Nevada. We don't know who's going to be working, but there is no major fights in Bellator anywhere else. I imagine they will get the top crew, mm-hmm. top men and women, potentially, mm-hmm. in there. Not worried about the judging. I wonder who's going to be on the John Jones fight in particular, because I wouldn't be surprised if they actually do go the distance. We've just seen too much of it from Jones lately. And gone. I mean, he's not the most impatient fighter he can he he'll let it go right we've seen it before he's content to make a decision happen 
if he's winning the fight the way he wants to, right? I mean, I'm I'm 100% expecting this not to go to the cards. Not saying it can't happen. Sure. But I'm expecting it not to. All right. We will see. But there again, there's a lot of other fights here. I think I like the whole main card. We already talked about the two. Jeff Neal against Shavkat Rachmanov. I already said what I think of Shavkat. Uh, Matush Gamera and Jalen Turner. Really like Jalen Turner, too. I've been interested in his rise the last few years, too. He's been an interesting prospect, and I think he's getting closer to... I mean, he's probably shed the label mm-hmm. now. He's kind of like a like rising contender. You know, He's no longer a prospect. Yeah. Him and Gamera's a fun fight. And Bo Nickel, very much a prospect. His first UFC fight against Jamie Pickett right here is that's that's a big jump into the not Pickett's I think it's not ranked or anything but basically it's somebody I mean it's at one eighty five too I don't I think that's I think it was originally scheduled at eighty five that's why but I'm expecting this is basically Bo Nickel seeing if uh, he's the real deal or not like you said mm-hmm. so. I know there's a little hate here for Pro Bo Nickel from I think some other fellow fighters that are like yo why is he on the on the pay per view here already. Well, or maybe that was uh, Rosas Jr. I think Raul Rosas Jr. is fighting on the main card next time there's a pay-per-view. Okay. Maybe that's what it was. I think I'm mixing the two up. Either way. I mean, maybe. We're maybe still talking about super prospects here. They yeah. could be selling Bo versus Shavkat soon. Who knows? That Not right away, that I'm would saying. Actually but be at some kind of, point. That's a little interesting. I would very much favor Shavkat, though, right now. I think. Well, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> Uh, but I do love this. You love this main card. I think every fight is yeah, good. Yeah, very good. I like it. Prelims are really good, too. I like Derek Brunson and Drikas Duplessis. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a fun one. That that definitely has some rankings implications here. Duplessis could find himself in the contendership uh, pretty soon, depending on how things shake out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Viviana Arujo against Amanda Hibas. Hibas still here at 125. I like this fight. Yeah, it's a good one. And then I've, I'm very interested in Ian Gary, too. There's another prospect going against Song Kinan. At one seventy, yeah, Ian Gary. They, they. I know he's doing a lot of the the kind of the copying the Conor McGregor shtick, but I think he's doing it in a fun way. That's not grading, at least to me. Uh, Well, I'm I'm just talking about his fighting. Like he was trying to get the Browns under his belt, right? He wanted to be able to go full fifteen in his last fight. Yeah, he didn't want to, you know, be a quick quick outing. He looked better in his last fight than he had the previous fight because the previous fight I think left people a little underwhelmed. I think he's Mm. he did look better last time out. So I wonder. Wonder when he's just gonna, you know, start trying to be a killer, or if he's still trying to get that, you know, cage time under his belt or not. Well, yeah, I mean, his his debut at the Garden was pretty good for the UFC. Yeah, that was that looked some pretty killer stuff. I was there for it, so I, I think I just remember it a little bit better because I was there and it sticks out in my mind. You know, I got you. I but, mean, yeah, but his past two fights went decision, so yeah. But hey, you know, these things happen. Yeah, I think he probably does have to go out in there and start to really impress to to kind of build a little more momentum behind him as a prospect. Mm. I think maybe there's a little bit of, uh, at least let's say in the United States, I don't, things are different obviously in Europe. I think especially the UK and and Ireland guys, they really like to pay attention to their guys very much. So, so Mm -hmm. um, no one's going to feel any differently there, but I think here people could lose track of him, especially here. He is definitely not the most interesting prospect on this card. He's just not. Because it's Bo Nickel. Yeah, that's true. So, but yeah, I, I really like this fight. I like these. I like all these fights. Really, I think not. I'm not saying every single fight's a banger, but it's a really good card, and I'm I'm happy about it. This is out of the three pay per views in five or six weeks or whatever the UFC is doing. This seems to be the most loaded to me. Oh yeah, this one's stacked. This is the good one. This is and like if you had to pick one, like if you couldn't if you couldn't afford to buy all three, I'd say this is the one. If you were going dead set on buying one, this is UFC 285. Okay, sound fair? Fair. All right. 
All right, that does it. We'll be back again on Monday to break down all these great, fantastic fights. Yes, we will. <laughs> I like the passion there. Those guys. They're going to be fantastic. You think so? I do. We'll see if Dan eats crow, too. I'm not eating any crow, right. even if I'm wrong. Fair enough. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody. <laughs>